Thank you. Good night. And then the loop comes back in. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, people ain't ready for that. Some people are like, what are these guys talking about? <laughs> Good night. It was the first song. Lawrence, I'm upset with Prince. How much did you pay for this ticket? <laughs> I thought he was gonna play "Take Me with You." <laughs> no, I was in. I was in. Uh, I was in. Uh, um, oh, Dear River, man. I was in Dear River, and dude, Prince just tore it up, dude. Fans like twenty thousand, twenty thousand people. Amphitheater, Deer River, just tears Wait, it up. The dude's Deer like, River is where uh, Indianapolis, and dude, I yeah. was there, and I drove up there like hundred and twenty bucks to get there and back in a cab. Yep. And Prince is just like jamming on the bass, just like face down. He's like, take your children out of the building, right? Face down, and just dope, right? And after the show, I was waiting for my cab because I had to get all the way back in the city. I believe and, I talked to you when you were waiting for your cab. Yeah, yeah. So. And I was like, I was like, what'd you guys think of that show? <laughs> It was so great. <laughs> and she was like, I thought he'd play more from Purple Rain. <laughs> I was like, damn, dude. Y'all don't know. Some people don't know. If you don't know, you better ask somebody. is Paisley Nights, and we are chronicling the days of wild. I am Mark Bondi. I am here with my co-host, DJ Dudley D. And we are telling the stories of Paisley Park. It was a happening spot, man. It, yeah, oh, I can't, yeah. It was a happening spot. Sometimes no words. There's no too many word. words. No words. It gives you silence. So Prince, for those that are listening first time, what have you, Prince used to open the doors of his recording studio in Chanhassen, Minnesota, Paisley Park, up to everyday people. So he would have parties where he'd listen to music and have DJs and people would be dancing and he would perform and sell tickets. And I mean, sometimes these party ha- parties had like 10 people at them. Sometimes they had a thousand people at them. Sometimes celebrities showed up, man, Chris Rock and uh dude uh, no doubt was there gwen stefani up in the house dude lenny kravitz dancing on the dance floor just cool people doing cool stuff funky people too like george clinton oh george clinton was there man george clinton was there that dude was a trip man i'll tell you he he he, he might have been like hitting the sauce sometimes Oh, yeah. <laughs> just sure. just saying, George always had a certain look to him. I was like, oh, George getting it on. Well, it's been a minute, man. We have not been uh, on the episode thing for a little while. Sorry. Took a little hiatus. We're See, this, back. They, we're back. <laughs> but this is this is how Paisley used to roll, right? It's like we'd be like party, 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 like Saturday, Friday, week after week, month after month, there'd be all these things happening. And then Prince would do what? 
go silent. Go silent. And we'd just be like, what the heck just happened? And, like, I mean, there would be long, long breaks of time without a party, dude. Sometimes it'd be a month. Sometimes it'd be two months. Sometimes it'd be nine months. And then you start itching. Yeah, and then you start getting that Paisley <laughs> itch, man. Back in the 2000s, it was just years where nothing was happening. So, shoot, Paisley Nights is like that. We just, all of a sudden, we just dropping out of the blue. Something's happening. New episode. Here we come. So we've been busy. Dudley D's been out there. He went out and bought a house. So congratulations to DJ Dudley D. Home ownership. <laughs> ha, it's going to be awesome. Party at Dudley's. Uh, we, so Dudley bought I'm a house. I'm going to get my house in order. He's got to get his house in order. He's got to sell that tape. Mm-hmm. Noni got that tape. Um, so Dudley D's got to go sell that tape and get that house in order. So congratulations to him. And Summer's just been busy. And we've been doing our thing. So we're back at it. We, we've been working hard. I've been out on the streets pounding of the pavement and i have found our first sponsor there we go boom we got a sponsor which also you know coincidence quinka dink uh was our first guest <laughs> it was our first guest so our first sponsor is william drew photography uh this guy takes beautiful pictures of minneapolis Disney World, they are just ridiculously awesome. So You, you probably to, know him as Bill. You probably know him as Bill. Episode 2, go check out that stuff out. He's got Prince stories coming out of his ear, so he's a Prince fan. He knows all the stuff. He's fantastic, and he is he is a heck of an artist. So What is he doing? He, he, he's how is he sponsoring us? How is he sponsoring us? So if you go to his website, WilliamDrewPhotography.com, you can find him on Facebook too, WilliamDrewPhotography.com. Uh, he is providing promotional discount of nineteen ninety nine, 1999199.99% go figure <laughs> for those that write in paisley nights into the uh promo code so put that in there you'll get some stuff from bill if you want to buy stuff if you do buy stuff you know shoot him a note tell him we sent you he takes all of his pictures with uh the toss away cameras <laughs> just kidding <laughs> no it's fantastic stuff and the pictures are beautiful so if you're out there from wherever and you're into prints and you want a beautiful picture of minneapolis this dude's got him he's got purple minneapolis too man it's beautiful stuff go check him out william drew photography.com so oh. we got our we got our first sponsor fantastic check out episode two with bill we also did the last episode with jonathan carter i mean that was an epic episode dudley that was crazy. I can't believe Jonathan Carter sat right here and tell, told us about how he used to fly back from Stanford to go see shows. Yeah, for sure. For, for a day. I mean, and this dude, for those that don't know, go listen to the episode. This dude was like, like Paisley Park parties would not have been the same. And the experiences that we're talking about as part of this podcast would never have been what they were, were it not for Jonathan Carter. Like this dude was like a linchpin. And you're not in listening the whole thing. to us right now. What? You're not listening. Yeah. To you're us not listening right now. right now. Like we don't know what's going on, dude. We don't know the parties are happening, dude. It was like HTTPS dot Stanford dot edu dash all these little squiggly lines. I had that memorized and Jonathan would hit the spot. So what was your favorite part of the episode? Dudley, what was your, what was the thing that was just like, bam, Jonathan hit it for me? Uh, I don't know what part hit it for me, but I mean, parts that stood out to me, uh, obviously it was super cool. Like we just talked about the website and uh, I remember reading his reviews on Prince.org. I believe some of them might have been uh, uncovered yet, but I'm not totally sure. But uh Reading his reviews were amazing, and um, just knowing that he was flying back from Stanford and just putting in so much effort 
Uh, it was awesome. Yeah, and I mean that that was like you'd get done with the show, and then like the next week, as Jonathan wrote these things up, like you'd read the the story that he was writing, then you'd be like, I know who this dude is because Jonathan's tall. Oh yeah, Jonathan stands out like above a crowd, right? right. So it's just like like you kind of knew who he was, you knew his and story. he was always there. And he was. He was always there, and he was always rocking that Stanford hoodie, and you'd just be like, all right, I know this dude. So uh, the fact that like we got to know him over the years, yeah. got to talk to him, and like that he was sitting right here on this microphone talking to us, telling the stories is amazing. I'll tell you, for me, what was really interesting is the whole sign of the times deal. Oh, yeah. Like him and I had talked about it over the years, but I didn't know Prince was paying people. I didn't know about the movement of the crowd from one section to the next section to the next section. And I mean, he's he 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 is immortal, man. He's he's in the scenes at Paisley Park for Sign of the Times. I mean, it's just fantastic. Unreal. Unreal stuff. And I was like, so they <laughs> played forever in my life multiple times and you were there and he said I was there. And I mean it's just it's crazy. So I encourage you to go listen to that episode. I mean, Jonathan was a stalwart within the uh Paisley Park scene and he was just he, he did it for years, man. He literally always out there. Yeah, all the time. Always out there. I mean freaks on this side. So he was representing. Yep. So, you know, we, we we left off kind of in our story, uh, in episode nine, we were talking about, you know, kind of that fall of ninety five time frame rolling through rock and rolls alive and yep. it lives in minneapolis and steve Vai hanging out there and we talked a little bit about uh, the gold experience we were out there for that video shoot you can see me jumping up and down in the crowd scenes with my glasses the endorphin machine set was set it, up yeah when we were going out there yeah it was crazy times man and those were good videos and they had the uh you remember the uh vh1 love for one another uh shoot yeah, I do. <laughs> you do, you know, because that was that was that was a really cool deal, right? And if y'all will recall, there was a guy by the name of uh, Dave Chappelle, yeah, who did a mini set. So this is 1995, and this is before Dave Chappelle is Dave Chappelle, right? Right. And we know how it ends, right? It's 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 the Dave Chappelle skit, or how of, how it's going. Yeah, the, the trajectory of it all, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. so I'm just saying, like, you got the Dave Chappelle skit where Dave Chappelle, you know, right, pancakes and bathing himself in the waters of Lake right. Minnetonka, and I mean, one of the most famous sketches of all time related to Prince. I mean, Dave Chappelle brought it. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, and, and then Prince comes back at him later on in his career because Dave Chappelle did his thing, right? Right. And then Prince takes Dave Chappelle image and puts it on the Breakfast Can Wait right. CD. Just you know, and Dave Chappelle that quote, he's just like, checkmate. <laughs> I wish I could do Dave Chappelle voice. He's just like checkmate. What are you gonna do? You know, Prince. Right. Prince got you and got you back. And and that that that's where it ends, right? Is Dave Chappelle and he came and did after Prince died. He was doing First Avenue, uh, uh, and he did this gig, man. And he had like the kindest words to say. Just like as he closed his set, he's like, "We lost a great one," and it was just like. It was like a real beautiful thing. Like you can tell that dude was really impacted by uh, Prince artistry and and, and 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 what he brought to the table. Yeah, for sure. I actually ended up one night in uh, Dave Chappelle's hotel room. Don't don't think anything <laughs> weird. There's a bunch of girls and stuff. But uh, I asked him about that Paisley Park experience, and he just looked at me. He was like, "Wow, man." He's like, "You remember that?" And then he was like, "I was like, yeah, I was there." He was like, "Wow." You were there? <laughs> so you're talking to Dave Chappelle about being at Paisley Park in 1995. Yeah. 
And I mean, that was pretty much the end of the conversation, but because um, we were amongst other people yeah, and yeah, there was a yeah. lot of conversations going on. But I brought it up briefly, and uh, yeah, that he was he was like, "What?" Yeah, he remembered the set though and yeah. the whole deal. And I'll tell you what, that was be- once again before Dave Chappelle was Dave Chappelle. I'd never really heard of Dave Chappelle before at that point, and we're sitting out there. And in 1995, that dude was funny. And what they show you on the VH1 kind of deal is only like a snippet, right? Like he did a full set and that night you know yep. with the vh1 uh love for one another program they had him and then they had nona gay who came up and did uh, a rendition of her father's uh inner city blues right yep. and that was i mean i just remember uh aaron the the white bodyguard dude walking her up onto the stage and i was just like oh man that's nona gay and uh, she brought it uh i mean then, then the npg did a whole set and they had the ride if you recall that and they also had days of wild which was fantastic that was right. probably and that was probably the first real release of days of wild out into the ether yeah. was vis-a-vis this uh tape yeah via this the, the this program i guess what you know kind of a mini a mini movie right. on VH1. So we'll, we'll find a link of that and post it for people. If you haven't seen it, there are some really, really, really cool things. I mean, Prince is rocking the, the slave on his cheek. It's the same stage setup as the gold video, same setup as Rock and Roll is Alive. Yeah. So he was really delivering a lot of content at that time, despite his uh, foibles and battle with the uh, – record execs he was putting content to the street yep and that whole thing was what was really cool and, and 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 then you know so he does that that's got to be october where he's filming that maybe september he's got the dave Chappelle. i mean it's all kind of one long night and the, right the crews are there with the big cameras etc and then you know it was he, exciting yeah it was fun man you're just like what the heck what's gonna happen next yeah, i have no idea what's gonna happen and then you like paisley see, park yeah that's how it rolled and then all of a sudden you know it comes december or january and you're like oh this just got released on VH1, right? And I was there. Yeah, it was super fun. Yeah, it's it, it, it's fun to be part of that, and then know like, okay, they're pulling all this together, and Prince is just out there working, and and I love. I mean, Days of Wild is like that's my song, right? Right. Like that is like you you asked me what my number one favorite song in the history of forever and ever is of all songs in the universe, and Days of Wild is it. Right, and Days of Wild. I mean, people. Say, well, why that song? You right? like a lot of songs. You like a lot of good songs too. No, I do like <laughs> a lot of good songs. At least I like to think I do. But Days of Wild was like quintessential Paisley Park. Days of Wild uh, embodies all that was the vibe of Prince from 1995 when I entered the scene until he died. You know, in 2016. And truth be told, I mean, that song still carries on momentum and movement. Right. Uh, like, I mean, from now until forever for me, man. It's a freezer burn compared to cool. I think it's interesting, you know, everybody has their different eras of Prince. And, like, for you and I, the Days of Wild is, like, the golden years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No it, pun intended yeah. on the gold experience. Yeah, and, yeah, but yeah. it's, like, the golden years. And it's, like, they always say, like, I wish somebody would have told me. Yeah. When I was in the golden years, when while I was, while in, I was the in the golden, golden years. years, yeah. And the thing is, like the song, it's interesting because I was talking to our boy Keith, you know, and he he was roll. We're gonna get him an interview. He he went to a When's lot of Keith stuff. coming on. Keith needs to come on. Shout out to Keith. Represent. That's our boy, um, Keith. We got stories. So when Keith pops, y'all better buckle up. 
Um, <laughs> so, you know, when I was talking to Keith about it one time, and this was before Prince passed, I was like, you know what? If Prince wanted to release a box set, you know, I'm talking like four, six, ten discs of yeah. only days of wild recordings. <laughs> Like I'm talking, you know, this is like this is the studio version. This is the December night, San Francisco. <laughs> I'm talking Los Angeles because I mean I've seen him do that song, or I saw him do that song. I guess I'm not going to see it again until I'm on the other side. Um, I saw him do that song. I mean, it had to have been 80, 90 times, right? And yeah. every time, it was. You know, a little bit different, a little bit nuanced, a little bit, you right. know, and, and, and that 95. But it always had that loop. Yeah, it always had that <laughs> loop, and they would hit it. I remember we were at a party. This had to have been early 2000s, and Prince was playing. This was around about the time of the celebrations, a little after that, and he was jamming, and it was in the small room, you know, Friday night party, 2, 3 in the morning, and Prince is doing Prince, and the band's playing, and uh, Prince is like, hey, we're taking requests, right? Because this is what he would do. Like there would, he wasn't just kind of like aloof to the crowd, right? Like we were part of the experience, and he says, "I'm taking requests," right? And you know, somebody from the crowd's like, "America," and Prince is like, "All right," and you know, he just freaking grabs that bass and is like, Dee -dee, and he just like <laughs> jams, like it's like you know, right. and he plays like sixteen bars on it, right? And he gives this look, and he's like, you know, takes his hand and cuts the band off, and you know, kind of looks at this. He's like, "I'm not feeling that," you know, cool Prince style, right? Like he wasn't, right. he didn't explain or elaborate, not overly emotion, but just like next. And I was standing, dude. I remember this clear as day. I was standing. I was stage center. Maybe like 12 feet back, right? Because I was no longer had yep. to be in the front row. It's 2000. I was like 12 feet back. And he's like, next, right? And the crowd just kind of like takes a minute. And I go, Days of Wild, kind of shout it out. Yeah. And he takes his bass, turns, looks at me, like literally, Prince, like he was, he, he looked through the crowd at me. And he was like, he was like, cool. <laughs> no, I shit you not. That was that was the quote the quote. Hey, check one two. Alright, we're back. We're back. So he looked at me. Technical difficulties, but we're back. Yeah, I got pumped up and we're like on this little <laughs> station. I start pounding the desk and then it's like just you know, but I get pumped up about something these things. quit. Something quit. Anyway, so Prince is like, cool. And then they go into like a 20 minute rendition of Days of Wild. Yeah. And that was Paisley Park, right? Um, and, and Days of Wild, I think, for Prince, like if you get into the lyrics and if you think about it, and, and my analysis of the song is this, right? Essentially, the Days of Wild, he's writing this at the time yep. of. Uh, the record company and the record executives, he's putting this on wax in 94, maybe writing it in 93, and he's thinking about like who is he going to be as a human being and what's his story going to be and how is he going to move into like this this level of freedom, etc. And I believe he's using kind of wild, contrasting it with like domesticated, right? So if you think of like we have like a domesticated animal we have like a wild animal, somebody yep. that's free roaming the wilderness, right? And the domesticated animal is being controlled by forces above them right and i think within kind of the the paradigm of the record industry and warner brothers i think 
Prince felt like he was being domesticated, right? He was being held back. Right. His creativity was being stifled. They weren't allowing him to release records. You know that new uh, Aretha Franklin movie's out, right? Yep. And you remember, Prince was like, hey, yo, Aretha Franklin back in the day, she was releasing three, four albums a year, right? And you're telling me I got to wait every two, three years? He's like, no, Boring. you're not, you're not going to domesticate me like that. We, the music's got to get free. It's got to get out there, right? And that's ultimately when he does the song that gets released when he does the version that gets released on crystal ball yeah. and i mean that was like a glorious day when that disc arrived and it said those days discs. of yeah those discs right you got all the discs you got kama sutra the truth the three albums of crystal ball and track one right is days of wild recorded december 9 1995 at Paisley Park. And that show, they, they go to Hawaii after that. Maite's at the show. And, I mean, they play some jams during that show, man. They are just, you know, they're just killing it. They play uh, Vicky Waiting, which it was always like, I was like, oh, dude, they added that to the set. They got <laughs> uh, in the set. I was just reading it tonight. They had the uh, Love Thy Will Be Done from Marquita. You know, just got released on their originals. Like, right. probably my number one favorite song for another artist that he did. I mean, just a beautiful song. Um, I mean, they were doing all kinds of cool songs, and he brought it to Hawaii. And things started to quiet down from a show perspective after that December 9th gig, right? But he does Days of Wild in that set, and that's what gets released on the Crystal Ball album. And, I mean, he just he just brings that song, right? Turn the cameras off. Right. Ooh, here we go. Yeah. Justin, shut the lights off. <laughs> <laughs> I always like that song, I think, like in all the different renditions, too, because he was playing the bass on that song. Just the one-eyed bass, like... It was so awesome when he was playing that bass. I love when he played that bass and he slapped that bass around. Yeah, talk about Prince as a bass player. Have you seen, I mean, you're kind of like a music guy. I mean, anything quite like him playing the bass? Uh, I mean, you know, he has his own style. I mean, there's a lot of people that would debate on who the best bass player is. I'm not going to say he's the best bass player, but he was super funky. And it was just different. It would it would just change it up. When he got on the bass, it would just change it up. Yeah. And that night, I mean, December 9th, 1995, I was out there. I was on a date, Jamie Volrath, represent. Um, I think you were there. I think Keith was there. We were stage, stage left. So right-hand side of the stage, big yeah. screens, the place is packed, Days of Wild's there. And we've been listening to the song, like, you know, however long. Like, he'd been playing it most of the summer. And now he's putting it on wax. And we didn't know he's going to release this as part of Crystal no. Ball, right? He's just there. And that night he gives away the slave tape and the new world, right? So it's a tape. Yep. And it's a Christmas gift. And it's wrapped in paper as a Christmas gift for you know, the fans. I don't remember it being wrapped. No, it was wrapped. I'm Keith, sure you're right. Keith Scott, <laughs> Keith Scott, and I will post it on our page. I think I did already. Uh, Keith Scott, the uh, the the wrapping paper that it comes in, right? Yeah. And this isn't on the uh, this isn't on the version because he kind of edits it down. But during Days of Wild, he gets into like the preachy Prince moment, right? Which he'd been doing a lot, talking about the record industry, and he's essentially I loved it. Yeah, it was great, right? Because he and and we're young, we don't know anything about anything, but he's he he he's pushing this message of like, hey, I am gonna change the rules associated with the music business. So you get into this show, right? December 9th, 1995. 
five, and you get into this show, and he gives you the tape. It's in the wrapping paper. You're like, ooh, I just got a gift, right? Because you just were planning <laughs> on going to a gig, and then you get this thing, and I wore the heck out of that Slave New World tape, dude, because it was just like singles on both sides. In the Honda. In the Honda. I put it in the <laughs> Honda, and it would play, and the Honda had, because this was fancy, LXI, represent 87, and the Honda would like flip it over, so you'd listen to like the one side, and they'd be like... And then it would flip over and be like, New World. <laughs> and then just like, oh, dude, that hit is just coming. I wore that tape out over and over and over again, dude. I'd listen to those two songs like on repeat for until the NYC tape came right. out that he released live from NYC in 1997. <laughs> That's where the, the, the Slave New World tape just kept getting played. Anyway, I digress. So he releases the tape or gives the tape out when you're there and – uh, and he's given this little this little sermonette on kind of the record industry, and he's like, "Hey, we don't need we don't need these record companies getting in the middle." And he he's like, "I want all of y'all to raise these tapes in the air, right?" And you got yep. a thousand people taking their tapes, raising them in the air, and he's like. We don't got no middleman here, right? He's kind of waving his hand between the right. crowd and him. We don't have no middleman here. He I don't needed need to prove that yeah. it could work. No, I don't got no middleman. There's nobody in there. I bring the music to you. And he was like, is that all right? And everyone's like, heck, yeah, that's all right. I just got a free tape, and you're jamming. You're playing Days of the Wild. And he's like, yeah, this is how we're going to do things moving forward. Yep. And I'm creating a new reality because I'm not going to let these record companies domesticate me. I'm going to move into something very new, right? Because if you still got loot. Who's a fool? Who's a fool, right? <laughs> like, I don't need to be domesticated by your paradigm, your thinking. I can go out there, do my thing, and make money and be a professional, own my masters, and, and, and ultimately uh, have control of my own destiny and not have to play by your rules. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just, it's, it, it's, 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 a, it's a beautiful story, right? So he goes through that deal, and, and you know, the, the cut that gets on Crystal Ball is kind of shortened down and edited, you know. Um, but that's ultimately him saying, free the slave, right? And, and, and if you think about it, you know who was saying that, though. Oh, I do know who was saying that. We <laughs> talked about it in episode four. Four, free the slave, right? Yeah. Play that bass, motherfucking bass. And yeah, and, and 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 you know, free the slave. And 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 I think for Prince, as he's as he's saying that, as he's having us say it, right? His and I, I believe that this is one of the powerful things about this song, right? It is an internalization of. Of of, of 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 what he wants, right? And then he's owning it at that level, right? Because it takes a certain level of courage, right? So he's affirming, free the slave. I'm not going to be part of the system anymore. Free the slave. I'm not going to participate in the yep. way these guys got it. And he's affirming it deep in himself. And I ultimately believe that the guy continues to play that song and work that song and do that song because he's like, oh, this is like my hype-up self-talk Right. Like I'm like Keep going. I'm going to I'm ready to battle. Life's going to get me. Yep. It's going to hit me down. These people aren't going to want me to do it, but you know what? These are the days of wild. Like I'm going to live this I'm doing wild. this. I'm, I'm doing this, right? And I'm going to lead this. Yeah. And I think it becomes his anthem and it's my number one favorite song of forever in all of eternity <laughs> because it becomes his anthem to really set set his course 
and not just set the course, it becomes the ongoing uh, affirmation and, and ultimately the feedback loop is the manifestation of his actual freedom from this machine. And he never stops playing it. He brings it all around the world, does version after version. It's yep. set list after set list. And he continues to say, hey, dude, I'm not going to be held back by this machine. Yep. I'm going to be me. I'm going to wear what another won't wear, right? I'm going to do this thing and I'm doing it, dude. I'm, do, I'm doing me 110% and these people can't hold me back. And a lot of times too is Encore Song, you know, yeah. where he would play it at the end. I remember, I can't even remember which city it was, but it was over, I believe it was in Europe when uh, he was playing it. And I remember Trevor, his head of security, was yeah. off to the side, and he would just kept going on it and going on it. And he was looking at Trevor, and Trevor was telling him exactly how many seconds he had left oh, yeah. until he went yeah. overtime. Yeah. And then you got to pay the fines, the fines yeah. in the arenas, the yeah. unions, because yeah, yeah, they have yeah, to work yeah, overtime. Yeah. And Trevor was right over on the side, and it was like he was like flashing him like yeah. twenty. And he was like, "Cool." He went back and he was playing. He was like, "Sing it, y'all." And then all of a sudden he was like 10. He was like, on the one. Boom. Good night. Ended it and just walked off stage. Well, he was like right to the second. Right to the second. <laughs> Here we go. Because he could time it perfectly. Yeah. I mean, I, I really I admire him. I admire his courage. I admire his 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 ability to kind of just embrace something yeah. and just live that out you know like i'm going to be this and then he incorporates it and not only does he like own it for himself but then he shares it in a way that says hey Y'all don't have to be domesticated either, right? Y'all yep. can throw them up. Y'all can bring that wild sign and come with me. Come Let's with do me. This. Let's do this, right? And I think that's the legacy of Prince is that hey, we can all get wild, right? We we, we don't have to be who we were. We can, we can change. We can grow. We can embody our own stuff, right? So that's uh, that's some of the lessons of Prince. I mean, that's how he's influenced me. So I mean, this is fun talking about it. Y'all ever see me at a party? Y'all ever see me <laughs> out? You just want to talk to me about days of wild, like. We can talk because, dude, I just I talk to anybody about Days of Wild. Like, like it's one of my favorite things in the entire world to do. So, come on, check it out. Mark, we'll write, talk. Hey, Mark, you might write a book one time about the no, song, the Days of days, Wild. I, I should. I mean, it's going to be a chapter in my book, y'all. <laughs> I'm working on it, so it's going to be a chapter in my book. Y'all can y'all can read it, and we can just discuss it for now until I mean, Lord willing, the next 50, 60 years, we'll we'll be able to chat about this song because it is truly yeah. amazing. And I, I got even more stories. We not well, I'm not even done sharing yet. No. I just got to tell you one more. Uh, I, I was not going to, but we were out there after the uh, after the uh, uh, Emancipation Tour, Jam of the Year Tour, yeah. right? So Prince did two nights Jam of the Year Tour, um, and uh, we did uh, he did the after parties there, right? G Sharp played on the after parties. G Sharp from uh, used to be a bunkers with Mambo's Combo, and now hangs out uh, musician, um, whole host of people. They were doing they were doing a lot of. Uh, Sly and the Family Stone stuff, whatever. Anyway, one of the after shows, Prince is doing Days of Wild. And he's playing the keys, not the bass. He's playing the keys. And me and uh, Cozy from Chicago, dude, right front, right stage. And he flips. Like, we're singing the song with him. And Prince takes his microphone from the keyboard, turns it the other direction, you know, yeah. flips it from one side, like, facing him. You yep. know, twists. Yep. And then chick turns the the whole mic stand to cozy and i yeah. and now cozy and i are essentially 
The chorus? The chorus. Bro, the song, <laughs> Singing Days of Wild. I mean, I got, seriously, Days of Wild stories coming out my ears. I love that, man. Seriously, <laughs> it's fantastic. Well, thanks, y'all, for listening. Dustin, Dudley D, where can these people find us on? Oh, man, we're on all the social media platforms. You can find us on Twitter, Paisley underscore Knights, or search Paisley Knights in the Google machine, and you'll come to all of our pages, and you'll find us on every major streaming platform which you're listening on to us on one right now so you found us yeah so you know find us subscribe write reviews we really appreciate the feedback i know a lot of you have been hitting us up when you coming out with another episode so here we go we dropping it uh but give us reviews hit us up five stars share on your pages share with your friends we're trying to build our listenership you know we got our our first sponsor williamdrewphotography.com check it out use paisley knights 1999 off, 19.99% off of your first order. It's fantastic stuff. We got the next episode coming up. It's queued up. My boy Rich. Rich Benson. Rich Benson. Rich Benson's got stories, man. He's been around. He's done some stuff. He's uh, he and he's a documentarian as well, man. He's got a he's got an archive of just stuff. So Rich is cool. So get ready for episode twelve. We're gonna keep bringing episodes to you. Uh, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you hanging out with us and uh, digging our vibe on all of these stories. Uh, Dudley D, anything else? That's about it. All right. This is Paisley Nights. We are chronicling the days of wild. My name is Mark Bondi. Here DJ, with my co-host. DJ, DJ, Dudley D. DJ Dudley D. We out of here. Peace and be wild.